This, 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 we are gathered here today for the Fight Disciples UFC and Boxing Talk. How you doing? Welcome to episode 42 of the Fight Disciples podcast. This week, Sam Eggington. He ain't bad for a journeyman. And now his eyes are on a bigger prize. Mate, I think me and Danny Garcia would have a brilliant fight. Um, you know, he's just coming up from lightweight as well, which, you know, I suppose it gives me a, a small advantage. Um, but... You know, if that fight come off, I'd, I'd take it in a heartbeat. Sky Sports head of boxing Adam Smith joins me to run down this heavyweight mess. I had a pretty <laughs> exhausting week last week. Let me let me tell you that, but probably not quite as exhausting as Eddie Hearn. Um, <laughs> listen, it was it was back and forth. It's the ups and downs of boxing. You know, you get the huge highs and you get the dreadful lows when things don't come off and it feels like the world's falling apart. And finally, the clone cyclone. Barry McGuigan is on the show, not only to talk about Frampton Santa Cruz Part 2, but about that guy, the Tartan Tornado. Yeah, he's a wonderfully talented young man. Um, we're trying to iron out the little mistakes that he makes. Uh, it's hard to do that when he blows away everybody we <laughs> put in front of him. This is the Fight Disciples podcast. Subscribe now via the iTunes store. If you don't subscribe already, please head to our website, fightdisciples.com. All the instructions are there for you. Very simple to follow, whether you want to listen to us on iTunes or Android. Totally up to you. If you go to fightdisciples.com, all the selections are there for you right now. Uh, now then, following on from last week's show, Bragging Rights, where we previewed Frankie Gavin versus Sam Eggington, I think it's only fair that we have a little bit of a look back at a sensational night in Birmingham. It lived up to the expectation, didn't it? A fight of the year contender, a round of the year contender with round number six. That was something out of this world. And a man that was 50% of that battle and ended up coming out with those bragging rights was Sam Eggington. He's on the show right now. How are you, mate? How are you, mate? You all right? Yeah, Sam, my man. Uh, WBC International Champion sounds good, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's better than it was last week, I'll tell you that now. <laughs> Not bad for uh, a man that self-proclaimed himself as a journeyman when he sent uh, when he started <laughs> this thing out, eh? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mate, it's mad. It, it is mad. I mean, the performance at the weekend was absolutely sensational. Um, did you go in there with a different mentality? I know what happened last week, obviously, with the weigh-ins and all that type of stuff, but did you go in with a different mentality off the back of the skeet defeat? I think so, yeah, no doubt. I mean, if I'd have fought Frankie Gavin with, with, the, with the mindset that I fought skeet with, you know, they'd probably pick me off all night. But, um, yeah, I think I definitely had a different mindset. I was determined. I told every interviewer beforehand, you know, I weren't going to lose this fight, and they was asking me why. And I was saying, look, I'm determined to to win, and and that's all I went in with. Is that the main thing that you take from what happened with Skeet? That that you don't like the taste of that defeat. Nobody likes the taste of defeat, but the realization of it did it make you like make you think to yourself, yeah, I'm, I'm not yeah. going here again. Yeah, yeah, because like I said, like I said last night, like, I, I trained out for Skeet. I was I was fit as fit than that, but you know, having the mindset to take the fight away from somebody else that wants it, you know, is different to being you know fit. So. Um, I just had to change that up a bit and, and, and go off a bit, I suppose, and mm. I think it worked. No, mate. <laughs> think? I think, I think? I think we know it worked, mate. Did he surprise <laughs> Did he surprise you? I mean, we've not really seen Frankie professionally do uh, and go to war like he went to war with you. We've seen you do it before, but did he surprise you that he, he, he fancied it, that he, yeah, that he, he kept coming? 
he had a bit more about him than I thought he had, to be fair. Um, I know he's, he got up off the floor off Bundy, but um, other than that, you never really saw him dig deep and, and, and go at it. But, um, yeah, he definitely um, showed me a bit more than he had. You kept coming. Um, yeah. So what's next, mate? What's next? Because the fans will be saying one thing, but there's loads of other stuff going on as well. So I'll, I'll go domestically first, all right? Yeah. Is it Skeet? Do you want to go and rectify that loss? Um, I mean, if that Skeet fight come up, then I'd take it in a heartbeat, but I can't see it happening. Mm. I don't really want to be boxing anyone else domestically unless it is Skeet. Um, Skeet beat... Frankie Gavin beat Skeet. Skeet beat me, I beat Frankie. Yeah. You know, where does that put us all? I don't know, but... Um, Unless, you know, the ski fight comes off, I don't think, you know, I, I, I want to try and stay away. I mean, I don't think I have to box domestically again. You know, I want to start um, looking for European honours and, you know, and, and world, I suppose. Well, even bigger than that, yeah. You, you, it's a good job you mentioned world at the end there, mate, because be, um, before this fight, there were there were noises in the press and what have you uh, that uh, Al Ehrman had been in contact with Eddie regarding welterweights that could face someone like Danny Garcia. Your name came up there, mate. You, your name came yeah. up. So you're in that mix. That's, uh, I mean, like I said, I, I was gutted it was turned down. Obviously, I didn't have the chance to to um, speak to Al Ehrman about it myself. But, <laughs> um, yeah, I was gutted it was turned down. But, you know, there's no, there's no um, barrier now. I've got, I should have a top ten ranking with the WBC after that. I mean, Gavin yeah. was ranked at number eight. Mm-hmm. I've got um, a, a WBC title, a recognised WBC title, and I should have a top ten ranking. So there's no argument if that if they did ring again, why why the fight wouldn't happen? So you know, I'm just sitting here hoping and praying that, that they'll give me another ring. Well, you, well, your calendar's matched, don't they? Because he's out. What he's out in a couple of weeks. Um, yeah. And I know that he's looking to obviously become what he would class as a branch out star, maybe fighting someone from the UK. And you fit in there because what you did at the weekend, mate, you're obviously hard as nails, pal. <laughs> so so it, it, you're, you're, that's what happens, isn't it? Fight, uh, fight fans want to see fight styles that gel together. Yeah. And what you and Frankie did at the weekend gelled perfectly. And I personally think that you and Danny Garcia would gel as well. Very similar fight. Mate, I think me and Danny Garcia would have a brilliant fight. Um you know, he's just coming up from lightweight as well, which, you know, I suppose it gives me a, a small advantage. Um, but, you know, if that fight come off, I, I'd, I'd take it in a heartbeat. And I'd, I'd go over expecting to do a good job. I like the way that you just said that, though, because there'll be a few of your fans maybe listening, mate, that uh, that don't want that in Birmingham. They want to be going to Vegas, don't they? they want yeah, to... <laughs> mate, I've had phone calls. Everyone wants it, um, an excuse to give to their missus to get over to <laughs> the States. Mate, we're all the same. We're all the same. That's what it is, isn't it? Well, Sam, Sam we've got to go, man. We've been supporting him in all the small halls. We've been supporting him in the uh, NEC and all that. So we've got to get over to Vegas, haven't we? We've got to do it there. That's the only reason I want it, just for an excuse. <laughs> Mate, well, you've earned it. The weekend, it, it was it was truly sensational. And I'm glad that you bounced the way that you bounced against the... Uh, uh, against Skeet. And you are right in exactly what you said. There's no point in messing about domestically anymore. You've done that. You've been the British uh-huh. champion. Um, and now it is uh, for those world honours. The big paydays, mate. The the Vegas trips. Exactly. And that's what I started for, whether it was a journeyman or not. It always it was always about the dough. So <laughs> let's get back to it. How, um, have you got a date in mind of when you want to be back out? Or is uh, is that um, out of your I'm answer? Try, I'm going to try. I'd like to get out before the end of the year. I know um, Anthony Joshua's got a, a date on the 10th of December. So yeah. 
You know, if I could squeeze me on there, then I'd be more than happy. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? Little little yeah. trip up to Manchester, a little bit of a roll out for Christmas, some wages exactly. for Christmas, mate. That'd be lovely. Exactly. Christmas presents are paid for. That's it, mate. Them uh, kids' Christmas presents don't pay for themselves, do they? No, they don't. <laughs> Father Christmas's invoice has to be paid. Fair play, man. <laughs> uh, well, Sam, listen, man, it was a joy to watch that at the weekend. And I've no doubt you'll probably be w- w- winning an award at the start of next year when they do round of the year because round six was a joke. Have you watched it back? Yeah, I've watched it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, it was unreal. It was unreal. Yeah. I think, you know what, as I don't want um, you know, um, to... Um, standing eight count. I don't know where that come from, but... You know, that could have been that could have been the end of the fight. Never mind, right end of the year. Yeah. But, uh, I, to be fair, when I saw it, I actually thought he was stepping in to stop the fight, but then gave him a standing eight count. I'm glad he did. I'll be honest with you. I'm glad he, as a fight fan, mate. I'm glad it was a standing eight count because I didn't want it to end. It was brilliant to watch. Yeah, I'm glad now, but you know, <laughs> one time, you never know what's happening. Boxing, but yeah, but now it's good round, mate, and hopefully I will get an award for it. You're listening to the Fight Disciples podcast. If you have all the social media channels, make sure you check us out at Fight Disciples. We are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Dead simple. Just look us up at Fight Disciples. Come and be part of the community. Come and be a part of the conversation. Uh, now then, just to give us a little bit of an analytical view of Thursday night and looking forward to clearing up this heavyweight WBA mess, I thought I'd get an expert on. And there ain't no bigger expert than Sky Sports head of boxing, Adam Smith. How are you, sir? You good? I'm good. How are you? I'm very well indeed. Well, let's start our conversation, shall we? Um, okay. By talking about Saturday, because if we're honest, I don't think... Well, you might have done. I personally didn't expect a fight of the year contender. I definitely didn't expect a, a shoe-in for round of the year when it comes to round six. <laughs> it was absolutely unbelievable in Birmingham. Yeah, it was a fabulous night, wasn't it? I mean, from top to bottom. Uh, it's it sometimes the ones that least uh, expect, you know, you, you look at the card and you think it's going to be decent, sort of good trade fair, but it turned into an absolute sizzler. There was a good super bantamweight clash between Sean Davis and Paul Economides. You had Caliafi, uh, cracking on to, I think, 20 wins in a row now. Mm. Anthony Agogo being stunned by Craig Cunningham. And then, you know, the local derbies just do sometimes bring <laughs> it out. I think Dave Colwell hit, hit the, uh, the nail on the head when he said it's the, it's the underachiever against the overachiever. And, and that's really what it was. You know, Frankie Gavin, by far the better technical boxer and, and so much talent. Sam Eggington, physically strong, dedicated, and uh, has done so well in the last two or three years. And I think the timing just suited suited Sam and, and, and the fact that he had a bit more uh, freshness. But, you know, Frankie stuck, stuck with him. He, he, he was in the pocket with him. He, he fought his heart out. And uh, it was almost gutting to see it, it finish because it was so exciting. I thought round six was absolutely tremendous. I think they can both come again from it. But it probably just shows that, you know, you whatever Frankie Gavin's talent has been in the past and, you know, possibly the best amateur we've ever seen yep. um you know you just can't uh take take away the 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 dedication the uh physical preparation that you need to put in and i think eggington probably just put that little bit more in and that's what paid off on the night for for people that aren't too clued up on the difference between amateur and professional boxing adam just um give us a little bit of an insight into this because amateur success as you just mentioned there frankie are only ever world amateur champion uh, amateur yeah. success doesn't necessarily guarantee uh, the same type and levels of success in the pros why is that 
It, it doesn't, but it's obviously a, a good sort of yardstick. You know, you look at the likes of Gennady Golovkin, yeah. who had hundreds of, of amateur fights. You know, you look at Floyd Mayweather, who and I was there in the Olympics in Atlanta when he was robbed of bronze. He should have won one gold. And look what he went on to do in his professional career. Joe Calzaghe, the same, you know, ABA champion at three different weights, never cut, never halted, never anything in the amateurs. He was brilliant. And then he was 46-0 as a pro. So I think a great amateur pedigree is important, but it is obviously a very, very different uh, skill. You know, the skill set of, of the fencer, the, the speed, the, mm. the fleet of foot as an amateur, um, I think doesn't necessarily make you a good pro. I remember Alan Temple, a very good ABA champion from a few years ago. And, and, and as a pro, he was... He was pretty brittle. You had Errol Christie, probably the most famous example of someone who just couldn't quite, you know, market that talent as a pro. But he was so exciting, such a brilliant amateur. Um, and I think Frankie, you know, we 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 noticed the issues. You know, he, he didn't make the Olympics because he failed the weight. Mm. You know, he's had his ups and downs uh, in and out of the ring as as a pro. But you know, he he probably lacks the firepower, possibly the discipline as well at times during his career. And and you know, it takes a little bit more to be a, a professional fighter. It's um, you know, there's body shots, there's physical you know attrition over twelve rounds, and you're know, not necessarily you know the 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 most skillful fighters end up winning world titles. Normally, a good amateur pedigree. Is, 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 is an excellent sign, but not always. Mm. Do you, for, for Frankie, going forward, do you see a future for him at 147 or does it have to be now at 140? And we've just been speaking about weight, so it's quite a, yeah. an ironic question, really. I think I think he is um, obviously a natural um, super lightweight or light welterweight, definitely. I and mean, I think we saw when he went up against Kell Brook. And, you know, it, it, was a, it, was, it was a sort of, you know, it was... It was a, such a difficult task anyway to fight Brooke, but then again to do it at, at a weight that you're not used to, a little bit like Kel went up against Golovkin. That you know they have weight categories for a reason, um, and I think that you know Frankie is um, probably a, a natural uh, ten stone guy. Um, I think he can come again definitely after Saturday night. I think he put absolutely everything into the performance. Um, and, you know, he, he has nothing to be ashamed about. It was a terrific fight, and they both deserve huge amounts of credit, and I, I just love watching Frankie Gavin when he's performing. He's mm. he's fabulous, but I've just sort of always had, had the feeling that, that, that Eggington would find a way just to break him down physically. You know, when Costas Hugh fought Ricky Hatton, everyone had Costas Hugh favorite. Ricky, you know, he'd admit it today. He was he, he he wasn't a boxing display. He was the fight before when he fought Ray Oliveira in London. Looked wonderful, but against Costas Hugh, he just walked through walls that night. It was <laughs> it was a, it was a strength, a battle. It was you know he just wouldn't be denied. And sometimes you get that. And I just had that feeling, you know, as the rounds ticked by, that Eggington wouldn't be denied. He would find a way to 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 eventually make Gavin crack. And for all Gavin's talent, it was just it was a shame that you know to see him stopped again. But Yes, there is obviously a future for both of them, but um, it's it's going to be tough for Frankie now. What about Anthony Agogo? Because there's been quite a lot of fallout off the back of that fight the weekend on mm. social media with people questioning his heart. I mean, I don't know him. I, I'm sure you've met him on several occasions. Where, where is he at? Do you, do you see him continuing? I know Anthony Agogo very well, actually. Um, and I know his team. He has the Salons behind him. Uh, and he has uh, a very good team at Wasserman. Um, Duncan Ross and Dean Baker who have guided him uh, all the way listen I mean, he won the bronze um, yeah. in London 2012 he's got plenty of skills he's had a very frustrating career with injuries um, I didn't think he looked right on Saturday night um, I think there's no so taking nothing away from Craig Cunningham who I think was um, 
was fantastic. Yeah. I thought he was, uh, you know, he boxed a, a beautiful fight. He's only ever lost, I think, in prize fighter. I mean, he, he he's a good enough fighter himself, and, and the Southpaw style gave uh, gave Anthony a go-go trouble. But I think, you know, when he was in, in, in real bother in the first couple of rounds, I don't think he ever really recovered. He just didn't look like he had his rhythm, and it, it came as no shock to me that there was a problem with his eyes afterwards, because I just I just felt that he, he couldn't land normal punches. There was, there was no real range there. I thought, mm. you know, he looked, his balance was terrible. You know, I think I think that's you know very worrying that obviously that, that he had blurred vision during the fight, and I think that you know they have to get that sorted because you know we've we've seen um, obviously with Mike Towell the tragedy that happened Absolutely, just a few yeah. weeks ago. You know, we've um, we've seen with Tommy Martin as well having to retire because of of, of an injury. You know, it's it, it's a very dangerous business, and uh, I'd like um, Anthony Agogo to get fully checked out before he uh, he steps back in the ring again. It was it was heartbreaking for him. Um, obviously, he'll have the, the temperament and, and he'll want to come back and he'll want to, you know, right the wrong and, and move on. But obviously, health comes first and, and he needs to get those eyes checked out. Um, as far as Craig Cunningham goes, wonderful. Well, a really good win. Uh, great getting an upset once in a while. It's fantastic to see in front of his fans. And he's a good addition to the middleweight scene, which is thriving. No, absolutely. Now, this weekend, and we've got a bit of a, week, uh, a weekend off, a little bit of a relax, which is kind of nice because we've got some cracking shows coming up in November. And then um, on to December. We'll come to November in a minute. I just want to flip forward to December because everybody's talking about heavyweights. Everybody's talking about the WBA. (laughs) I'm exhausted just reading and watching and trying to keep up to date with it. I don't know what you're like, Adam, with this. It's crackers. Um, I had a a pretty (laughs) exhausting week last week, let me me tell you that. But probably not quite as exhausting as Eddie Hearns. Um, (laughs) It was was back and forth. It's the ups and downs of boxing. You know, you get the huge highs and you get the dreadful lows when – Things don't come off, and it feels like the world's falling apart. But you know, re- re- really, these fights are, are, are tough to get over the line. You know, it looked like Joshua Klitschko was 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 made. Um, then we had to wait for the WBA. It looked like then the WBA would rule in favour of Lucas Brown, who uh, mm. obviously has his uh, argument for a, 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 the next shot at the WBA title. It thought maybe it'll be Brown against Klitschko. They booked a, an arena in Germany as well as the, the one in Manchester. So. You know, cards close to chess, WBA waiting on decision. Then it it felt like the fight, it, there was a reversal. It felt like Klitschko-Joshua would be announced sometime over the weekend. And then I get word of this injury to, to Vladimir. It's all getting very tight to December the 10th. And uh, and obviously, I think probably the, um, the, the, the right, um, for now, the right solution in that, you know, Klitschko won't fight. If, if he is injured as well, that's, that's, that's another reason he shouldn't put that on the line he needs to be 100 percent to get in the ring with Anthony Joshua and vice versa so look I mean it's delayed it looks like it's delayed till April it looks like it will happen we wait for official confirmation but I think that, that both fighters do want the fight and I think Bert Bonte and Eddie Hearn have got this agreement so mm. I think it will happen I think they wait for the WBA to sanction it which I'm sure uh, they will do maybe it'll be for the super title who knows but you know what I'm hearing is that it will probably uh, end up in April next year and in the meantime we go on December the 10th and Joshua looks like he defends his, his world title against someone like Eric Merlina or possibly David Price or mm. uh, one of the other guys. You know, Pulev was a possibility originally and Stiverne and, and fighters like that. I, I wanted Joshua to fight Joseph Parker before this Klitschko talk, and I think he did as well. But obviously Parker's got... Um, Andy well, Ruiz, it's, yeah. It's, it's, you know, it's... And then David Hay gets the winner. Look, it's all up in the air. <laughs> the heavyweight division... And Deontay Wilder's out injured. You know, the heavyweight division is so exciting... You know, we've got um, on the uh, the very interesting Monaco show in the middle of November, we've got Luis Ortiz. Yeah. 
some people feel is the best of the bunch. So you've got him, you know, obviously what the fight fans want to see, what we all want to see is them fight each other. That's the key. Um, but I, I, I reckon we'll get, you know, two or three really good ones next year. Now, whether that'll be Joshua Klitschko or whether Fury comes back or whether it's Hay in the mix or whether it's a Wilder against one of them, I think we're going to get two or three really good matchups in 2017. The other thing you've got to remember is that Anthony Joshua, you know, got to the world title very quickly. You know, he, he, they, they saw an opportunity to fight Charles Martin, which is obviously the right one. He won it after a little scare against Dylan White at British level. Then he goes in against Dominic Brazil. He gets rounds. You know, he, he wins that. It, you know, th- there is an argument that he shouldn't be rushed into these big fights, mm-hmm. that he needs yep. one or two more. So um, I'd like to see him either go rounds with, with uh, Eric Molina or David Price would be interesting because obviously, you know, Price can bang. You know, people will think Joshua is a heavy favorite, but... There's rumours that Price knocked him out in sparring, you know, when they were when they were younger, you know. So you never know when when someone's got that sort of power, what will happen on the night. But I think Joshua will successfully defend his world title in December. Maybe we'll get Vladimir Klitschko over to watch. It will be a terrific card. I think they've got Scott Quigg on and 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 um, looking possibly to make a sort of white Chisora, something like that for for a heavyweight encounter as well. Jose Burton, Frank Buglioni, I think. Califi's got his world titles. So yeah. I'm looking at a really good show December the 10th in Manchester. It is a shame, of course, that it's not Klitschko, but uh, I think that will come. This time next year, we could genuinely be talking about the WBA, IBF and WBO belts being on the line in an all-UK title fight between Anthony well, Joshua and uh, David Hare, can't we? Well, that, that could happen. You know, if, if the Klitschko fight happens in April, there's no reason why June and, and, and uh, David Hare gets the winner of Parker and Ruiz and yep. wins that. You know, there's no reason why next summer we couldn't have a huge showdown at Wembley for all those titles between Joshua and Hay. There's no reason at all. But I tell you what, there's another fight we'd quite like the look of, and that's Mr. Tony Bellew against David Hay. <laughs> so, um, so let's 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 wait and see because that's another humdinger possibly for 2017. So mm-hmm. there are a lot of fights out. There are a lot of big fights to be made, um, but we've got plenty to look forward to for the rest of the year, as you said. Yeah, December 10th is a good one. In November, we've got the, the Monaco Bill, which is James defend his world title. You know, Stephen Smith in action. He, he has another chance at, at, at a world crown, and one I think he could win. Mm-hmm. You've got the rematch between Arthur Abraham and Martin Murray. As I said, you've got Lewis Ortiz, and watch him because he's really talented in with Malik Scott. It's going to be fun going to Monaco, and the week after, we're in Vegas for, uh, for Kovalev and Ward, which is probably the best matchup of the whole year so you know it's everyone wants to see Golovkin Alvarez well they've made Kovalev Ward and we'll be there in Vegas it's going to be absolutely fantastic so plenty to look forward to there's a show in London on the 26th of November a couple of very interesting names going to be on that card so uh, so looking forward to the rest of the year's action I was just going to ask you about Kovalev Ward what's your gut instincts in that fight um, I'm calling the fight, so I don't really want to give a prediction. But I, I would say, I would say, I would say, I would, I would probably agree that Andre Ward is the slight betting favourite for the fight. I think I've always admired. Yeah, in fights like this, like with Mayweather Pacquiao, I always tend to sort of look at the uh, at the more skilled boxer. I think they tend to find a way over yeah. twelve rounds. Um, not always, but I think they tend to. I think Kovalev is is a terrific fighter and a huge puncher. And it will be interesting to see how Ward copes at light heavyweight against a, a guy that can hit as hard. Interesting to talk to Nathan cleverly about that one. Um, but Andre Ward is, is just so brilliant. He's wonderfully talented. He's so skillful. You know, 
Carl and I always talk about, you know, what, what happened in that fight and, and he, how much he respects him. And I think, you know, I think he, he, he was right, Carl, not to fight him again because he, he knew that, you know, Ward was just possibly that bit too skillful. Maybe over 15, 20 rounds, it would have been a different story with Carl. But <laughs> I, think, I, think, I think you've got to probably favor Ward slightly, but Kovalev's power brings so much to the table. Ward's inactivity slightly sort of uh, maybe carries that against him. But, I mean, it's a great fight. It's a really good fight, both unbeaten. Um, and I think I, I know a lot of people who fancy Kovalev, so I'm really looking forward to getting out there for that one. A proper, proper fight in the in the best place in the world in Vegas. This is the Fight Disciples podcast. Subscribe now via the iTunes Store. If this is the first time that you've ever listened to the Fight Disciples podcast, it's like this every week. We celebrate the best personalities in fight sports. Every Wednesday, every Thursday and the odd Friday. There will not be an episode this Friday, by the way, uh, because Fridays is dedicated to obviously previewing the upcoming fights for the weekend, and it's a weekend off. Weekend off this weekend, there's no fights. Uh, So we're having a bit of a weekend off. There won't be a show on Friday, but we'll be back with the preview show the Friday after, previewing the return of Manny Pacquiao. So make sure you hit the subscribe button. It's very simple to do. Go to our website, fightdisciples.com, instructions are there you can get us on itunes or uh, audio boom if you listen to us via android uh, now then friday night just gone so the tartan tornado whirl into town one man that knows a lot about him is his manager and his promoter the best well in my opinion anyway the clone cyclone barry mcguigan thank you so much for being on the show no problem well let's start on friday night shall we um the Tartan Tornado. I'm going to be honest with you, Barry. I, I saw uh, glimpses of him during the Commonwealth Games when he won gold in Glasgow. I uh, wanted to see more of him uh, at the uh, Frampton Quig undercard, but he was only in there for a short period of time because he was blowing his opponent away. So Friday night, I was dead excited to see this kid do his thing. I've heard lots yeah. of the hype. The hype is real. That's the only thing that I took away from Friday night, that the hype is real. Yeah, he's a wonderfully talented young man. Um we're trying to iron out the little mistakes that he makes. Uh, it's hard to do that when he blows away everybody, <laughs> everybody we put in front of him. So we took a real, you know, a calculated risk with him, Adam. We fought a guy that had 26 fights uh, and had beaten the uh, British champion mm. and was former Commonwealth champion and WBC international champion, season pro. You know, he'd only done, he'd only had six fights and according to... Dave Ryan and, and Clifton Mitchell in the build-up that we'd blown away nobodies and that he was going to get his face smashed in, which is pretty uh, um, aggressive stuff to be using, aggressive language to be using. But yeah. we were very confident about Taylor. Taylor's exceptional, Adam. He's really exceptional. Um, you know, We've had him just under a year now, and he is, he is really something... Uh, something to look forward to in the future. He's going to be winning titles. We're going to have to be careful with him uh, in the sense that, you know, we, we've already got him fighting 12-rounders. Yeah. Uh, and now we've got to give, give him another uh, couple of, of 12-rounders and uh, and then start looking at a European title fight and, um, and, and from there on. But honestly, this kid is really, really special. And I'm sure you noticed that on the way he dismissed Dave Ryan, who had... You know who had who's beaten Tyrone Nurse yeah. um, and, and John Wayne Hibbert. You know he's a tough season pro, and, and he just blew him away. And he never looked in trouble, sized him up beautifully, and and um, swept him away. 
his shot selection was second to none. Talk to me about his um, his temperament, because that was a big night for him Friday in front of his home fans. He could have got swallowed up there, but he didn't. No, exactly. I mean, uh, you have to take that along and, and just tell him, he's, uh, you know, he is, he's a slightly more apprehensive kid than, than Frampton is. Frampton's very calm under mm. pressure, um, but... Uh, you know, Josh is just getting used to it. But he's, you know, he's fought on four world title bills. He's, you know, he's boxed all over the world as an amateur. We knew we could hit the ground running with him. But the one thing we weren't sure about was how he would handle pressure. Yeah. And he dealt with it uh, wonderfully well. I mean, here's the thing. When you're ready, when you're in great condition, and you know you're in great condition, you know you've sparred 12 rounds against a middleweight and light middleweight, uh, then you know you can go 12, 12 rounds with a with a with a super lightweight if if you have to, and that's that's where you give them the confidence in the gym really, sparring best guys and mm. you can get a hold of, it simulate your opponent's style. Uh, but we were a little unsure about how he would have handled it uh, in front of his home crowd, and there were two thousand people there. It was packed to the rafters. It was really atmospheric, and he handled it with a plum. He really did, and and uh, you could see afterwards how excited he was about yeah. it. And honestly, uh, we're very excited about his future. No, absolutely. I've heard you speak of his drive, his desire, his determination, his work in the gym. When you when you decide to work with fighters, is that the attribute that you look at first over talent? Well, it's a combination of uh, combination of things. We are very careful when we vet the guys that we sign. Um, they have to tick a lot of boxes and, and they have to have the right attitude. Yeah. They have to be driven. They have to want it. They have to be nice kids with uh, with good personalities and 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 the capacities to learn and wanting to learn. And, and uh, Taylor fits all of those and more. He's so driven, and you know, Frampton watches him in the gym and says he's a thrill to watch. You know, uh, you know, watching uh, sparring with with a world champion over in, in upstate New York when we were over there in the summer for the Santa Cruz fight. Mm. He was able to handle all of that. You know, uh, each day he came back wanting to learn more. You have to have the appetite for it. You have to have the drive and, des- and desire. And it's almost a prerequisite that you have the natural ability, the strength, uh, the drive, the, a good chin, and um, being able to absorb a shot. Uh, and, and more than anything else, wanting it, really wanting it. And this kid ticks all those boxes. So he handled the pressure well. Uh, as the opponents get more difficult, it'll be a little bit more pressure on him, but he's learning to cope with that very well. It's all a learning curve. And of course. It's part of being part of, you know, part of being, uh, being part of the, the, the stable. You've got George, you've got, he's training with David and George yeah. and Carl and Conrad's doing the same as is Josh, Josh E.P. Mm. So we've we'll, we'll got a very good stable. We've got a little family that we're building and it's, you know, they work with each other. They really support each other and, um, you know, Shane is becoming a phenomenal coach. He really is starting to get the best out of these kids, and he has the capacity to pick the best out of everybody and just to extrapolate the best out of them. That's <laughs> that's a really unique gift. No, absolutely, it is. Yeah, you mentioned opponents there. It must be quite difficult for you to match make with, uh, for for Josh at the moment because you mentioned domestic level, and he's he's easily above that. So, how do you get him the right opponents before you step him up to that world level? Maybe this time next year. Well, we've got a, a really good matchmaker, um, in Ola Schroeder, and he works with, with uh, Blaine, my eldest son, and uh, and Jake. And we look and analyse them. And Shane is the final say on who we take. Yeah. Um, 
so it's a very much a team effort and, and we, we talk to each other, we talk with the fighter and say, what do you think of this guy, blah, blah, blah. But there are loads of good guys out there that will give him the sort of test that we need to bring him on to the next level, Adam. Ah, looking forward to it, looking forward to seeing more of him. And do you, I know that uh, obviously after the fight at the weekend, a lot of emotion, a lot of excitement about him, but you do, you mentioned Ricky Burns, he's named the WBA super lightweight yeah. champion. Yeah. You mentioned a year off, realistic that, do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, 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 Shane sort of said, you know, pull the reins on that, that a bit, but, <laughs> but I, I, I don't know, I really don't. The way this kid's making the sort of progress that he's making, I, I don't, I genuinely don't see it any, being any more than a year away. Um, and, and if Ricky's still champion, of course, that would be a super fight up in Scotland. Yeah. And obviously we've got really great respect for, for uh, Ricky Burns. What he's done, he's a model example of, uh, and he's the epitome of, I, if at first you don't succeed, try and try again. He really has done great things, and we really admire him. But he's a legitimate target for for Josh Taylor, and and I really think in um, you know a year's time we will be very close to being ready to fight him. He's a new superstar. Uh, if, he's, if he's still champion, and if he's interested, of course. Oh, of course, yeah. Uh, he, he definitely is a new superstar, Josh. Looking forward to seeing more of him. One of your other superstars is, of course, Carl. Um, so excited about this. What a way to start yeah. the new year, eh? Heading over to yeah. Las Vegas for a little yeah. bit of the MGM Grand on January the 29th. Well, I, the, the, there's a question mark over the date yet. Okay. And so I can't confirm that uh, until we get the, the green light from uh, PBC and Showtime. So, you know, keep your ear to the ground about, uh, about that. Uh, but uh, the rematch is on and uh, Frampton is, uh, you know, chomping at the bit. He can't wait to get going again. Um, and uh, he wants to be. He wants to make it, uh, you know, uh, concrete that he has the ability to beat Santa Cruz. Doesn't matter where it is. Um, and uh, you know, he believes 100% that he'll be. He'll beat him more convincingly next time. Barry, just give a little bit of education for our listeners on uh, how important it is um, for a fighter to conquer America if they're looking to uh, achieve and leave a, a lasting boxing legacy. That's a very good point, Adam. I, I, I genuinely believe that if you want to be taken um, seriously at the highest level, you have to be, you have to make an impact in America, um, and you have to, um, in order to get into the Hall of Fame, you have to mm. turn heads out there. And, and uh, Frampton has certainly done that with, with this fight against Santa Cruz. Uh, against Gonzalez, it was a more difficult fight than we thought. Number of mistakes we've talked about them that he made. Mm. Well, he came back home, and it's funny how things work out. With that poor def- uh, defence against Gonzalez, the quick fight opened up to him, and the Santa Cruz fight opened up for him. So uh, I believe he's a much better fighter at 126 pounds. He's stronger, he's bigger. Uh, he's, he doesn't have to crucify himself to make the yeah. 122 pounds anymore. And he's a very solid 126 pounder as well. But... You know, if you really want to make a, a lasting impression in this game for people to remember you 20 years after you've retired, you've got to conquer America. And Francis uh, has gone about that with, with uh, you know, with real passion. And uh, you know, he's he's got a win on uh, when he fights in in, uh, in January, and um, he's got to win impressively, and he will win impressively. And um, you know, um, the world is his oyster after that. He's already in the top 10 pound for pound. And um, I, I think the Americans love him. They love his style. They love that fight, and they're gonna they're gonna love the next one too. 
Barry, this, this might come across as a bit of a personal question, but the way that obviously Carl's progressing, we now know that he's a, a two-weight world champion. I know that he's got more ambitions to maybe go and make it a three-weight world champion. Fingers crossed he can do that yeah. if, if genetics allow him to do it. But do, does that drive from him, and obviously the drive through Cyclone and, and your company, come from your own personal career where maybe did you look at yourself maybe that you should have stepped up to Super Feather to go and have a go yeah. yourself there? Does that where it comes yeah. from? I've got, I've got to be careful how I tiptoe around this, Adam, but it, it's um, it's my belief that I did not get uh, the maximum out of my career. Um, no matter you, what you did pretty, you did it. pretty well, Barry. I'll I be did, honest. Yeah, I did pretty well, <laughs> but I, I I could have been champion for I felt considerably longer. And you know, we we can. I don't want to get into the blame game. Yeah, uh, that's not what this is about. But I know that I could have been champion for substantially longer, and I could have. I genuinely feel I could have won a super featherweight title. And that has made me so determined as a as a manager mm. to make sure that my guys um, get to the very top and get the best fights and get the ma- maximum opportunity in every department to earn the most they can, to get the most exposure, to get involved in the best fights and to, to succeed at the very highest level. That's my goal for Josh Taylor, um, uh, for Carl Frampton, for Conrad Cummings, yep. uh, for Josh Pritchard who's coming through, for everybody we're involved in. And, and even though I'm, I, I'm not managing George Groves, uh, Shane is involved with him. He's on uh, on the 18th of November yep. against Eddie Goodneck in a very tough fight, a guy who's, who's fought for the Super Middleweight Championship of the World and for the Late Heavyweight Championship of the World. That's Eddie Goodneck. And I know that, that George Groves hasn't uh, achieved at the highest level but I'm, I guarantee you, we will stop uh, at no point to give him every opportunity to win uh, a super middleweight title. And I genuinely, 100% believe that the best part of his career is still ahead of him. I'll come to him in a minute, just before we finish. Uh, I just want to talk finally on, on Frampton. Um, he's going to go to Vegas. He's going to go to Leo Santa Cruz part two. And I think he's going to knock the kid out. So therefore, uh, I'm uh, you, uh, undisputed that particular uh, part of his career. We, we then move on. Uh, and I'm guessing that unifying that division will be at the top of his list. There's a couple yeah. of guys there, obviously. Uh, and there's a domestic belter with Lee Selby. Yeah. Um, Belfast, maybe? Um, middle of next well, year for I, that? I, 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 don't, I don't know. And, and again, it's, it's always difficult uh, for Carl to look ahead. And, of course, yeah. It's my, it's my job to plan what, what's, you know, what's potentially available to him. Lee Selby's a fabulous fighter. Really, we've got great respect for him. We work with his manager, Chris Saniger, with his, with his brother, Andrew, and we put him on last, fr- yeah. last Friday. And we have the, the deepest respect for all of those guys. But I believe that's a fight Carl can win as well, and I think it's a wonderful fight. And um, and yes, there's the possibility to go to um, you could go to Belfast, we could go to uh, the, the Millennium Stadium in, yeah. in Cardiff. There are so many uh, possibilities with that. But again, my job to plan that, um, and that obviously is something that we're looking very seriously at. And then possibly a jump to Super Featherweight because he, although he's not. That tall at five five, he's a real powerhouse. Yeah. And I saw what he's done in the gym with lightweights, light welterweights, and the way he can handle them, it, it doesn't faze him. And I think that, uh, you know, honestly, I genuinely believe Adam that uh, Frampton's best days are still ahead of him. And although he's approaching thirty years old, um, you know, he looks after himself. He takes care of himself. We prepare him 
uh, absolutely meticulously before each fight, like we do with all of our fighters. And um, uh, you, know, I genuinely believe that he can go on to be one of the best Irish fighters that there's ever been. I concur what you just said there, my friend. Just before we let you go, uh, George Groves, you mentioned 18th of November, he's out against Gutnek, who's a man that's taken Brem of the distance at light heavy as well. Um, how far off, if he comes through this, because this is a good scout for him, if he comes through this, how far off do you think he is from a, a shot at a super middleweight title once again? Well, I, I genuinely believe that George Groves will win the world super middleweight title. I, and, and, you know, people say, well, I'd expect him to say that your son's training him and everything else. But honestly, um, it's about the relationship between him and, and the, the, the progress he's made in the gym, the power that he's hitting with. And I'm telling you, you asked Martin Murray. Yeah. Nobody expected him to, to deal with Martin Murray that way. And, you know, Martin was badly hurt a number of times throughout that fight. I think he, he hurt him even more than, than Golovkin did. Although Golovkin stopped him, I think, uh, I think um, George Groves hurt him more. And he's getting better, and his power in the gym, and what I see in the gym when he's firing light heavyweights and cruiserweights, he's just bowling them over. I mean, he really is a, a, a powerful guy. And what's more, he's got his t- he's got his tail up. He really is loving life. He's loving boxing. Uh, he, he he is a tremendous talent. He really, he really is. And I just don't think he had the the, the TLC from. Uh, his previous coaches that he's getting now mm. and he feels like he's part of a family with, with all of the Cyclone guys that are getting ready and we're all training in the same gym as him and he's just thriving on it and honestly Eddie Gutnick is a very tough guy went the distance with Robert Stiglitz went the distance and pushed Bremer on yep. two separate occasions for one for the uh, 10 rounder one for the light heavyweight title he's a very tough guy and he will come to fight and he'll make uh, George performed better than he's ever performed before, but I, I guarantee you, I guarantee you, uh, he will win, and I guarantee you too. And it's a bit of a bold comment, but I'm getting used to making these. Sort of things. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not trying to be bumptious. I guarantee you, he will beat the world champion. He will win the world title um, before his career is over. I guarantee it. And if you look at the middle, uh, the super middleweight division. In a bit of a mess, the WBA title, yeah. the term feeling his drug test and the Carolus underneath. He will get a shot sometime soon. He's very high, high, highly rated in the WBA. Then there's a possible unification fight with George uh, or with James DeGale. Absolutely, yeah. He's beaten previously. There's a whole load of great fights for him there. And I honestly believe that George Groves will, will cap his career winning at least one Super Middleweight title. Barry, exciting times for Cyclone. Thank you so much for your time this afternoon, mate. Thank you very much, Adam. This is the Fight Disciples podcast. Subscribe now via the iTunes. Don't forget, there's no boxing preview show this Friday. That will return the Friday after as we preview Manny Pacquiao. And hopefully, Nick will be back on the show next week. He's been busy this week, just in case you've been wondering where he is. Uh, Working on Fighters Only magazine. They're all getting dead excited about uh, UFC going to New York for the first time ever for UFC 205. Conor McGregor versus Eddie Alvarez, obviously headlining that. Thank you very much for listening. If you don't subscribe to the podcast as of yet, go to fightdisciples.com. It's dead easy to do. I'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, subscribe via iTunes.